Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their zero to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond, and their biggest challenges during the first three phases of building their software. Today, I have uh, Scott DeGrossier of Wicked Reports, which helps your SaaS company keep a better picture on what's happening with your paid advertising. And we'll talk to Scott about how he took Wicked Reports on its zero to 30 journey and beyond. How are you today, Scott? I'm doing great, Jordy. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I'm glad that you get to sit outside and kind of sit back and relax. And uh, we'll do we'll talk about uh, some paid, paid uh, advertising and metrics and all that kind of stuff. So give us a quick, um, uh, intro who you are and what um, who your customer is and what problem you solve. Sure. Wicked Reports provides marketing attribution for people that sell things online. It could be e-commerce, SaaS, subscription, course pe uh, people selling courses and information. And marketing attribution is the, the field of taking revenue and attributing it to specific marketing touch points and then calculating the lifetime value and return on investment. The idea being you spend where your money's making you money to make more and you stop wasting money where it's not. And we work with, uh, you know, generally six, six to eight figure businesses in those fields I mentioned, um, generally spending a minimum of $5,000 a month to our biggest one spending about a million a month. And um, it's for people that, um, you know, want to use a data driven approach to growing their marketing rather than just feel. It's really a, I find marketing from being in this field a while, some of it's intuition, some of it's the, the skill of the copywriter or the offer, and some of it's the cold hard facts of the data. So when you get the that all data, working together. Right. Okay, that makes really sense. Um, what, can you tell us um, when, tell us a bit about your background and how you got into, um, like how you found the problem? Sure. Uh, I like that story. That's a fun one. So I was, uh, two things happened. One, I was getting bored of my current job. I used to run databases and be like a project manager, technical architect for a couple of uh, big applications at Motorola and then at apartments.com. Okay. And I was looking to move back to the coast in New England and apartments.com didn't allow any remote work. I said, Hey, I'm going to leave. And they said, well, you're running all these databases. <coughs> Excuse me we'll let you um, work remote um, for a year and then, you know, we're going to work, coach you out of a job because no one's allowed to work from home. Yeah. I don't know if I still have that policy now, but <laughs> so um, I was like, well, okay, I got to figure something to do. And at the same time, my friend Mark uh, Merle at getmainlobster.com, which was an e-commerce business, okay. he had had a lot of luck with Groupon mm -hmm. and then they had, um, they had run in a group on was starting to get not as uh, friendly with his offers. It wasn't working as well as all these competitors and he was looking for another channel and he, I have to be friends with him and I was doing some uh, CRM consulting for him mm -hmm. and he's like, Hey, uh, 
Facebook sucks for lobster. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I spent $4,000. Yeah. I only made one sale for 200 bucks. I lost my shirt. And I'm like, you know, there's got to be, you know, some of those people, maybe you're going to come back and buy, or did you capture their email? You know, not very strategic, necessarily advanced strategy things, but just, Hey, how are we going to, um, remarket to them or something? And he's like, well, how am I going to know if that works? Yeah. And I was like, uh, let me find you something. And there was nothing. So that's yeah. how it kind of got going was I figured out, I hacked together a way. Oh, we got a couple of squirrels jumping around between yeah. trees here. <laughs> uh, I hacked together a very, uh, you know, a, a way to try to map this all together that worked. And how we knew it worked was um, we targeted people that didn't live in New England um, for lobster, think that like the Patriots or the Red Sox, the local sports teams. Yeah. The idea being maybe these people would be nostalgic and maybe have a tie to New England. Yeah. Maybe they'd want some lobster. And okay. what we found was when he spent the money on the campaign, um, it didn't make money in the first two weeks. He wasn't even breaking even. But when we looked at it after three months, he had made uh, 10 to 1 on his money. He'd made like literally, I spent, he spent like three, 4,000 and he'd made like 30, uh, you know, 9 to 1, 30 grand or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, it was all introduced by the Facebook campaigns, basically what you're saying is, and so they, maybe he closed them on, they, maybe they were inside of his email list and, and that's what he thought, how they, how he was closing them. Is that, is that what you're saying? So the leads were coming from Facebook and he was closing them with email. Okay. What ended, yeah. ended up being what his um, best uh, channels complementing each other worked was that that's what worked, but there was no way to tell that back in the day. He had other ways he was getting leads group on, just as organic. He did a lot of live events. So he had a lot of things going on. And one by one, I started figuring out how to track them all. And I told a few people and word spread. And we were just, I was getting this inbound business and, and I needed a tool to run my Excel processes easier. And it turned into, you know, a much bigger deal than I originally thought, which is Wicked Reports. So, and, and when, what time frame was this? Like when were you, when were you looking around and there was nothing out there? So this was 2014. Okay. And before that, the start of the year, I had done a, uh, I read a book called The Passion Test and took it. And mine was that I love to solve puzzles with data is like my number one thing I love to do. Mm -hmm. Like I like to play poker, but it's really about the, the numbers and the game, not really the money. Okay. And any game where it involves taking data into a spreadsheet and then trying to use it to predict. I just loved, I mean, I used to be a financial trader before this. Uh -huh. I just like the systems itself and what I, Wicker reports ended up becoming a system for how to use data to grow your business incrementally. But at the start, it was just a fun thing. I, it was just fun. <laughs> plus it was a passion of mine. Plus a friend I asked and I was just kind of probing around to see, Hey, maybe, maybe this could be a business. And then it, it kind of took off. I can get into the story. Yeah, so, took off pretty fast. so um well so did you program so you're you were saying that you were it sounded like you were a DBA, um, but you're also so you were also a developer or did you <clears throat> to get somebody else to develop it? So I was a DBA and a SQL developer. My skill with databases, is, you know, I think everyone has a couple of talents they really have in life and some they definitely don't. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm colorblind and uh I'm very impatient. But I am a data model, I in data model like uh i know you're doing an it shop well for me data modeling is like super fast the moment i get all the info i can like almost immediately visualize a data model 
Uh-huh. And so that would always shave off tons of time in our development schedules at Motorola because I didn't need a data modeler or all that process because it was just my natural skill. I was data, database modeling when I was literally 11 years old. Really? On Commodore okay. 64 for my mother. I just wow. loved it. It's yeah. easy. It was easy. I didn't realize you could make a living at it when yeah. it was back when I was like 1980, yeah. 80 something, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, when this, I, so I, uh, I was doing some master uh, accelerators and masterminds for Infusionsoft. I was their data guy in, mm-hmm. in that you go down, you get a three day, uh, three day, you, you fix all kinds of business systems in three days. And I was the one helping with the data and no one had really good marketing data. So I started, uh, as word spread, I had read a book by Alan Weiss. Uh, it's a cheesy title, but a great book. The Million, the million Dollar Consultant, I think it's called. Okay. But it was phenomenal because it gave a template for how to do these two-page proposals based on the value the person was going to get rather than just picking a price out of thin air. Right. And so I started quoting these people, you know, five to ten grand to cook up these pivot table projects. And I closed like 30-something grand in pivot table projects. And I was like, man, there's a, there's a business here, I think. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't like, like it. I just, yeah, it wasn't like I just wanted to be a SaaS. I see people, hey, I want to start a SaaS. And I'm like, you are in for a long, miserable life. You just want to start one. You got to right. like. You got to know what you're going to yeah. market. You got to yeah. know what you're doing in there. You can't just go up because you like the idea of it. That's insanity to me. Yeah. So, so when you, when you, it sounds like to me, you sort of built this, you you sort of hacked together a system for, for your, um, for your friend that had the, um, the lobster business was, was he in Maine? He's in Maine. Okay. Sounds like a hell of a lobsterman. He's a hell of a businessman. If he's, he's a good you know, businessman. Yeah. Uh, he was a creative type and he just yeah. loved Maine and he yeah. was good at making websites. And then, yeah. uh, when, then he came in and he got, he got the opportunity of the group on and, and to his credit, he really ran with it. So now it's, yeah. it's cause you don't hear about too many lobstermen. I mean, I, I, I gather that he's also a, a good businessman and he has, he's just getting the lobsters and stuff, but it sounds like he's a very savvy mm-hmm. businessman. Um, so, so you had the, the business, um, it was more, sounds like it was sort of a one-off consulting project that you'd done for him. How did the other customers come? And it was just like, they find they, this is through your consulting business or? So through my, I was consulting on the side while I'm still running the databases. I just moved back yeah. to Marblehead, Massachusetts. This is summer 2014. On the move, I closed like 30, 30-ish grand of uh, pivot tables. So I'm like, man, this is going to be great. But then doing all the work, to fulfill it was, uh, I thought, just a quick database. It was all kinds of little gotchas that just made it this, the effort grow and grow. It was me and one front-end, uh, front-end, back-end, full-stack guy who's still yeah. now my CTO. Okay. And me and him were hacking it together, and um, he'd do the front-end, i do the database. So then uh, my, my year with apartments.com is wrapping up. This is early 2015, mm-hmm. and Infusionsoft's big annual uh, – event icon was coming up and I thought, well, I'll launch the, I'll launch the company then. And with three weeks, like mid March, I think I bought the domain wicked reports. I was debating all these domains and I just wanted something new England. Yeah. That was that's, that was thinking about that. Yeah. And wicked is definitely new England word, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I didn't want the reports to just be reports. I wanted to be wicked, good reports. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I almost thought of wicked, good reports, but wicked was what I chose. So print out this, some t-shirts. I'm wearing the original one today. That was actually, you know, I just kind of grabbed it actually. Yeah. This is the original oh, good. Tea. Okay, cool. <laughs> I not like an it. Exact collector's item. Yeah. 
And uh, we walked around to different booths and talked to people at the show about what were they doing to track ROI? How do they know if their emails made money? And no one had any concept of it. And I was elated. I was just assuming there's some big solution out there. I'm just not aware of it. Yeah. No one had any concept of it. And everyone was like, hey, do you, do you know anything? I would love to know. Like everyone wanted to know and no one had an answer. And um, that's when I was like, okay, this could be pretty good. So that 2015, the official launch, and, and it was no, I, I no longer had, I had a little side consulting, but I had no real day job. Yeah. We did, we did like uh, maybe 200 grand. It was all word of mouth, you know. We, we got a couple really big uh, digital marketer was one. It was like our 10th client. And once people- Is that Ryan, Ryan, we, Ryan Dice? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my so gosh. That, talk about hitting time. the gold mine. Yeah. And uh, there's a couple other- you know, early innovator types that people followed, you know, that the crossing the chasm curve, we had the super early adopters. Yeah. That just told a few of their friends. And then I, there's just such a demand that, that, that was, so the first getting up to our first 20 K MRR was the first year we launched no marketing, yeah. just word of mouth. And yes, the product me. was brutal. We were using, Brutal product too. But how do you mean? <laughs> it was just ugly? ugly? It was just ugly or what, what, what was the... It was, was ugly and we were yeah. using... So the database and we were the, we figured out... I'm actually... I, I should be announcing the patent this summer. Took five years to get. But the uh, jumping from domain to domain, we knew how to track cross domain and no one still apparently knows uh, that. Ah, yes. I remember that. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The cross, so do, we, the, uh, the cross domain is a big UI, deal, right? Yeah, we saw that like before I even had a domain, so it's kind of nice. Um, I used Clipfolio as our UI, and we would pump data into Clipfolio. And so there was limited, Clipfolio has come a long way as well since then, but we didn't even own the UI. It was like, here's your Clipfolio URL. <laughs> we're yeah. going to pump data in there, and then it wouldn't always refresh, so we couldn't control what the people were seeing. It was tough, man. So it was very was it? minimum viable product. You and know? Which is great, which is great, by the way, which I love. Um, and, and, but how, what was the customer feedback that you were, that you were getting during this time? Like, um, it, it sounds to me, usually what I do is I, I talk about zero to 5,000 as being one phase. Um, was that phase like almost after the show, after the event um, that you yeah, got to zero? Yeah, it happened that. Yeah, the event was in April, and um, yeah. over that summer, it was real quick. I mean, because generally businesses, uh, you know, like SaaS owners now, it's even easier to get word out amongst them. Yeah. I mean, people talk to their friends and are in masterminds or, you know, on Facebook groups. If something fault solves a pain, people are willing to try it out. We didn't do a lot. I didn't do a lot of gamification or free this or lifetime that, which I don't know, maybe that would have worked out or not, but I was just like... Two ninety nine a month, or a thousand a month, if you want me to consult on the data, and that's the only two plans I ran for a while. And it, it, I, in hindsight, a, a, a value metric would have been a lot better idea. But you know, when you first start a business, you get so much going on, you, yeah. you just miss the price thing. I just picked one and went with it. Yeah, how did <laughs> you, you know? come up with that price? Though, I mean, you must have sort of you did some price anchoring with a few your first few clients and they were saying what's that worth to you or t tell me how you came up with the pricing for that so in our infusionsoft bill the infusionsoft bills the people i knew was around three to five i wanted to be a little bit under their infusionsoft bill because that was all we integrated with at first yeah and so i was just trying to i just looked relative to what they were paying for the crm 
in hindsight, I mean, value metric is, is such a great, you know, you find the right, you know, price intelligently. Patrick Campbell talks a lot about that. Yeah. My next task, I'm going to try to do, get that part right almost uh-huh. before I even start because now we know it's tracked revenue. How much revenue can we track? The more we can track, the more we want you to pay because yeah. the more insights we can give you and the more you can use it. But we, I experimented with all kinds of things. That was just a, it was a real quick thing. And then no one squawked at it. I should have raised the price because no one was complaining. <laughs> right. You and it's, it's always good to, you know, like, especially when you have an ugly MVP, as you say, you know, you want them to feel like you're, you know, they're getting a good deal and you're sort of babying them in the beginning. There's always an opportunity to raise the pricing later, or come up with some other pricing plans. Um, so, so how did you, uh, so tell me about the, that sort of first year um, transitioning away from what, w- what were some of the big problems that you were having? Because it's, you know, with Clipfolio, it was just you and your CTO at this time, at this point still, or had you hired some other people? I had, um, I was bringing on a third person who was always my right-hand man at Motorola. Okay. Who was the best front-end developer with JavaScript I ever knew. So we're going to have the JavaScript front-end the okay. backend coder and I'd be the database guy and we're like, Hey, we'll just get it to like, you know, I mean, it looks like it's going pretty fast. We'll bring you in. We'll get it to 40 K a month. I think we I was making, I don't know, 15 to 20 K a month at the time doing yeah. other stuff. I was like, we'll just try to get it to where we're each making 20 K a month. It'll be great. You know, totally yeah, yeah. Ignorant stuff. <laughs> it's so ignorant. It took me a long time to get back there. Cause you know, you always need to hire other as soon yeah, as you get yeah. more money, you're like, yeah. oh my God, I need to hire these other people. Not, yeah. oh good, I'm going to find a pocket. That's what you don't always see. always finding you know. yourself at break even then is, that, is basically what you're yeah. saying, eh? Yeah. Always, like a, yeah. always. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't uh, want to do the, I got the funding, you know, we're going to do, I had a couple of big offers for funding that I didn't want to go that route for, we'll get to that part. Okay. So, so it was, uh, yeah, so the first year, you know, I had the third guy, um, he wanted a guarantee of some money and I was like, geez, so I ended up guaranteeing him a fair amount of pay for the first couple months. And I was like, it could probably drop substantially after yeah, that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I did give him this big guarantee to get him over. Cause he, you know, he was a, a great coder and smart yeah. guy in general could help us a lot of spots. So, yeah. And so um, at this time you're still bootstrapping or did you give some to you? Did you give some equity to the CTO? So I hadn't done equity yet. But then as it started to lift up, then we did our second, we did our first live show, Traffic and Conversion Summit, where we get a booth. Okay. And they, they go, hey, it's fine. The, the show used to be a lot smaller. It was a very intimate show, maybe like a thousand people, but it was like all the people on the cutting edge of the internet. They're all yeah, like big All the big now. guys. Really, yeah, the big guys. Really fun. It was so yeah. fun. So we get a booth. And we don't even have like a banner or a hand. We don't know what we're doing. It's just me, yeah. the CTO who's from Bulgaria uh-huh. and uh, Andy, the guy from Florida. We head out there and um, I think we closed, what was it? We, we were doing, well, what we decided to do this, we, we had this one marketing consultant we worked with, this guy, Josh, smart guy. He was like, well, why don't you try giving away, you know, a couple months off for an annual. So we brought MacBook Airs. I brought a couple and stacked them up. And I said, hey, if you buy an annual, you can get the MacBook Air or you can get 900 bucks off. So basically, or 600 or something. It was either pay three grand or pay full freight, which is like 3,800 bucks or something and get a MacBook Air on the spot. So people would be walking around with their MacBook Airs. Well, we sold, we did like 30 something grand at the show. Wow. And okay. that was where we like, and we had a ton more leads and we were uh-huh. hoarse. Like people were like, and there was no like, 
now we know what we're doing at these shows, but people yeah. just hover over the laptop and like my CTO, English, I mean, he's real smart, but English second language is like, so you're going to buy or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's when we knew that we really had something. So yeah. then the, the other two guys like, hey, we want in on this. They, we want some equity. And I was like, okay, well, then you're going to lose your guaranteed pay. Be careful yeah. what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Because I'm I not getting paid, right? Yeah. <laughs> I am paid. I pay like two grand a month or something. Yeah. You know? were, were Ryan so, and Perry um, singing it up too? Were they at the show? Were they kind of talking yep. it up too? Because they were clients at this time, right? So, so they, they were, helped yeah. talk it up. They were clients yeah. for many years. Uh, yeah. They were talking it up. And then um, a couple, uh, you know, uh, Ralph Burns started a podcast on Digital Marketer with uh, Molly Pittman. They were using okay. it and then talking about it on the show. So that was all we really had was one or two advocates. And yeah. we were willing to spend a fair amount of time with people because marketing attribution, making it easy enough to understand and use, you can do it. And then the technical feats, just the start of it. Then there's like, does the customer understand it? Do they value it? Do they use it? Or are they lost in there? Yeah. Even if your data is right, if they don't know what the hell to do with it, you're kind of stuck. So we had to then counter those challenges. So it was a lot of free consulting people were getting along with the SaaS at the beginning while we were figuring out what people needed to so yeah, so, so tell me about that. How are you, um, so this, how are you able to determine what were the problems, like why your customers couldn't, were you just on the phone with the customers all the time or what was your strategy to sort of figure that out? Because it sounds so, like I'm trying to imagine like, you know, like, okay, you're, you've, you've got the reports, it's kind of an ugly interface at this time, maybe it's getting better, um, but, yeah. but, but the attribution, that seems like it would be a really hard problem to get good UI on. Uh, you know, to make it, you know, understandable, I guess. So, so tell me about how you uh, figured that problem out. So each person we had to do what's called a, a we, we, we guaranteed them a couple of live uh, at that time, go to webinar calls Okay. where we, we would get on and make sure they understood what the heck they were doing. The data was in right. And it was a very intensive process back in the day. You had to put individual UTM codes on every single different ad ad set combination in Facebook and every single link in Google. I mean, it was very, very painful. Yeah. And so the whole process of getting the data even accurate was like a couple, two calls to make sure. And that was, uh, that stimulated the, the development. Well, like this sucks to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody's going to want to do this. Yeah. And furthermore, the people that do it still botch it. We got to yeah. fix it. So now Facebook automate, we auto tag every ad in Facebook and Google automatically. You're, if you're using HubSpot or Active Campaign, all your emails are auto-tracked. So there's no like heavy lifting now. People click a button and everything's tracked uh, okay. from the ad platform standpoint, which was a lot of development. But it came because we we're like, okay, not getting the data rights only half the battle. You got to get the data accurate. Then you got to have it understandable. And then they got to make sure they actually act on it. So each phase was a huge challenge, year-long challenge on each to get it right. Okay. And, um, and, and when at this time you're sort of like at 25, are you still at like 25 before you, you're still giving the webinars? You're at about 25,000 uh, MRR. Let's see. So in, in, uh, so 2015, we did 120 something grand. Okay. And then in, uh, 2016, we got up to 40, 30 something or 40 a month. 
month. So it was okay. live of a couple live events. Live events, okay. And then um, we would, or you could opt in for a live demo with me. But then suddenly, you know, because I was supposed to be the database guy. Yeah. And then I was doing the demos. And I was doing the support. I was like, you know, running myself ragged. Yeah. With all, you know, and I'm thinking about it. I'm kind of relieved. I don't have to do it. I only do demos once in a while now if it's a really complicated thing. Sales brings uh-huh. me in because they like, you know, someone that wants like follow up gory tech stuff that I like to talk about. So, so, so at that point, I'm like, man, I don't like um, doing the, I can't do the, I don't like doing the onboarding calls anymore. And the, yeah. the developer, the front end developer guy is great personality too. He's like, Hey, I don't mind. I want to talk to, I really like, enjoy talking to the clients. Uh-huh. And so I was like, well, we can always find developers. They're not gonna be as good as him, but we can always find them yeah. in theory. And so we slowly started backfilling the development team with really strong developers. And then, he was the, I'll deal with the customers. Okay. And then, and then we, were, we had a goal that when I bought a new computer, we had to get to where I wasn't running. We had to find a database guy that was good enough so that I wouldn't have it on my next computer. <laughs> nice. And that's okay. the case. I don't okay. have any database tools on this one. And where, where are you getting, where do you find your developers? Um, well, we would do, we would do challenge, uh, paid challenges. So people, we'd be like, hey, we're looking for a developer. You're going to get tons of resumes. And then we'd be like, okay, well, we were pretty, my, my CTO is pretty good at weeding through. We had a process where we would put certain details in the, in the, because uh, you got to be detail orientated as well. Right, thing. right. Okay. So we put something in the, uh, in the listing please reply back and put this statement yeah. in there. Okay. And if, and they, if they didn't, didn't do it, that, we were just yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. they are. So that would trick. already eliminate like 80%. Yeah, yeah. We'd be like so irritated if someone yeah. would be like, oh my God, it's just like <laughs> right there. Yeah. So we knew they didn't. And then you talk to people to see if they could communicate well because developers, you know, you got to do scrum and if they want to code and they only want to talk on Skype or they didn't want to talk to us, we yeah. were ad- we're agile. You know, I originally, I brought scrum into Motorola or I worked yeah. on the first scrum project in Motorola. Okay. I brought it to Tata Consultancy in India. I'm scrum, it's verbal. Yeah. And um, they weren't verbal, you know, that was out. Now, if they got that far, we looked at something they were going to work on, cut off what we thought was a one day little working snippet of it mm-hmm. and gave it to them and gave them a week and paid them. And then you already knew because if people got back to you that day with questions on requirements, they were going to be good. Yeah. And if they waited and then the last minute, last couple hours, a bunch of frantic skypes or whatever we knew you know that's how they work that's not yeah. gonna work for us we need someone yeah. who's like on the ball thoughtful okay. yeah so that would weed people out fast was the paid one week test and then the paid one month contract okay we're going to contract you for a month okay. and you know that little one week project well that's actually what you're working on here's the whole month scope okay. you know, just we and that that weeds people out really okay. well like yeah we have a really good success rate with the slow hire that sounds like a, in fact that's quite a unique way i mean i so the way i always try and find my developers is a sort of a trial and error like that but it's basically like you you can get like three people te- they're they're writing different are are you doing like um they're doing the same little task so that you can grade them or do you give them three like do you have three guys doing it at one time with different tasks or would you do if you needed one guy you would just you would just hire one guy and see how normally one one will normally stand out um verbal uh you know talking to people 
really helps assess. So the yeah. CTO will talk to the ones that he really likes that also follow the directions, which isn't that many. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the people that do, that could be like five or six, and then you talk to them. And then there'll usually be one or two that he really likes. If he likes them both, we'll give them both the same thing. But yeah. usually there's just one that he really likes. And then if it's a, if it doesn't work out, like they don't, if he doesn't hear from them in a couple of days, like we already know, like they're, they're going to be a dud and they yeah. always are. And then we just move on to the next one already, even before we've heard from the last one. Cause we're like, it's not, yeah. not going to work out. We haven't heard Pete. I mean, cause if you're going for a job and someone says, okay, here's your project, you just should be on it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand people why they're not <laughs> like, here's a chance, you know, we pay pretty high rate for, uh-huh. uh, if it's going to be like a Eastern Europe person, we're trying to pay the equivalent of, a easy six definite six figures in the exchange rate. We okay. want the best or okay. top. We want top people. Okay. So we're not trying to like shave off a grand here or there. We're trying to pay top rate over there. So we get people that are normally on the ball, but okay. they're not right away. We're like, yeah, they don't value the opportunity. You know, if you're not showing hustle right at the beginning. You're definitely that, not going to yeah. show it once you got it, the job. Is is there certain areas that you like to hire from? I mean, are you talk, Are you mostly in the Eastern U.S. or do you have? Um, sorry, Eastern Europe or do you have um, people in the U.S. as well or or other areas of the, other parts? Anywhere of the world? in Europe, usually, okay. um, and that or U.S. Uh, it's okay. for more for a time zone thing than anything. Okay. I've worked a lot of uh, India firms, uh, which uh, they're great. I don't have yeah. an issue with them. It's just. The now we zone. have all this crew that's in the same time zone that all can speak English real well. You know, that matters in, in agile. You want, you want the verbal to be, it's important. Yeah. So well spoken is a key factor for us. But no in-house, do you have a, like an office in Marblehead? I did. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. No, I don't. But uh, no, everyone's uh, remote. And then we have, you know, we have full-time people and then we have people that are full-time contract, but we don't do any, uh, we tried to outsource and it was okay, but we, we have enough work that we want the people, if we like them, we don't want to risk losing them. Right. Okay. So you just bring them in direct. Yeah. Yeah. We do it direct. Okay. So you're all, so you're all sort of in, 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 they're in house, but not necessarily in the office. So you don't mind, like, do you feel like you need to have a front end guy in the office or no, um, no, it's okay. It's fine. There's enough output and we're doing scrum every day. So, I mean, we we know what's going on and if the scrum, if they're getting their eight hours of burn done in three hours, then great job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what have you found as um, at, you're sort of at this uh, 30,000 MR, what's, what's been the best uh, source of growth for you? What channels are you finding most success with? The best channel has been, uh, so live events worked really well for a while. And then, um, then they kind of petered out where they're just okay. I think as the events that we liked got bigger, yeah. they're letting in more newbies Mm-hmm. which we're not a fit for newbies. We like, if you're starting a new business, marketing attribution is not something you should worry about. Right. <laughs> you, right. Need, you need to already have an ongoing concern. Then you uh-huh. can worry about how to scale. Um, the, the channel that worked best for us. Uh, so it's a common, a, a combination of two things. It's still organic. Like some of my content, my podcasts with other people okay. still are referred to. And, um, Word of mouth mastermind. So even though we're, uh, cause like we can track our own marketing obviously, and we do a lot of things, but, um, 
word of mouth is still the number one thing. People still come in and, you know, sales always says, how did you hear about us to, to map up again? Cause we see a lot of organic coming in. Yeah. Uh, and then it's like, so-and-so I said on the podcast, he used you, or I'm in a mastermind or I clicked on this ad and I saw a wicked ID and I was looking around for it. Cause we have some bigger, you know, like click funnels uses mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. We had Entreport as a customer for quite some time till they wanted to try to build something into their own tool. Mm-hmm. Um, which they still haven't done yet. <laughs> uh, so it was a lot of, you know, like key influencers uh, using us or we had a couple people that would go and do screen shares of our data and show how they were using it. That okay. really helped. And I wouldn't even know about it. I'd just be like, man, how come we just had like 25 demos book in the past two days? And we'd look in the software and be like, damn, it's mostly organic. Uh-huh. That stinks. We don't know what to do. So you don't know where it's uh, coming from, but you presume that it's word of mouth or something. Um, well, we find out it was word of mouth yeah. when we talk to people. So for our particular thing, um, what was some content that? We, so then I started. If I do a, add sometimes to paid to content, yeah, that then brings them in. But just going, we've done a lot of um, paid to a lead magnet, and then you know try to convert them that way. Okay. And it's never been like great. It, it hasn't okay. been like. So it sounds like you, you, content marketing is really important for you then. And you were mentioning uh, obviously why you're doing a podcast with me. Um, but that's been a good source of leads for you. Just going yes. on other people's podcasts. Do you, and you don't have your own podcast? I'm literally starting my own podcast. The, no exaggeration. The taping starts tomorrow. Oh, really? Are you <laughs> excited? Uh, it seems like you'd yeah. be a really good host. You're very easy to talk to, you know. It's, uh, Thanks. Yeah. Um, I've been told to do one, and I yeah. just, for me mentally, I started getting too many projects that weren't complete, and it was really, I think you have a quote somewhere on one of your, it was either on a podcast episode of yours or on your page, which says something about don't, the task undone is the one you should do next or something. Yeah, I forget. yeah that's right. No, I'm no, picturing the, it. The, no, the quote is, um, um Finish the task at hand or nothing gets done. Yes. Yes. Okay. I just read it like yesterday or something when I was like mentally preparing or whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, so I started seeing I had too many things that I wasn't happy with. So one thing that I realized that was bugging me was our website and it wasn't positioned right. Like if I yeah. talk to people, they love it. Live events, I'm in the booth. That works yeah. really well. But, you know, then just like our, our website now is I, I absolutely love it. And it took seven years. Yeah. And it was this positioning exercise from a lady, uh-huh. April Dunford. Yeah. I just interviewed her actually like last week. She's great. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. I met her at a show. Uh-huh. I shoot her ear off for like 30 minutes in the hallway. And I was convinced that it had to, I had to do her process. Then when I got her book, I literally went through it. It took a while. It was like 20, 30 hours uh, to do what the book said to do. Well, in, but at it, the end of the day, then I realized all our marketing sucks. My website yeah. sucks. No wonder, no wonder the yeah. ads aren't really doing it. You know, Cause like our marketing uh, attribution was telling us that our ads were all so, so, and it was yeah. really the, the core message and offer and the yeah. way we, everything was screwed up. So now the website's pristine. Like all the content is exactly, it says exactly what I want to say. The way I want to say it and the flow I want to say and targets, positions, who I want to understand why we work for them or where we don't. And now it's, that took forever. So in hindsight, I would have loved to have had that 
had, <laughs> had that. I was telling her, it's like, you need a workbook. And she's like, oh, I know. Everyone tells me that. It's like, you need a workbook, you know, to go. Because as you say, there's a lot to it. It's one thing to read the book, but it's another to like go through all of the, you know, all of the brand positioning exercises and thinking about where you are in the market and things like that. It's, it's hugely uh, undervalued, yeah. I think. So I did that. And then I was like, okay. And then I started writing emails based on that. And yeah. my open rates are now in 30 something percent now where they weren't, they were down like 15 ish, 20 ish. And now they've yeah. like doubled over doubled. And then it was like, okay, I did, I shared it with her and we talked after I showed her this Google docs, like 22 page Google doc. Uh-huh. And I was like, look at all this stuff. I go, I'm so excited. And then the ads now are doing, you know, now we're getting $5 lead, $6 leads. It used to be $50 leads. Part of it's COVID people stopped spending. Yeah. But now we're getting tons of leads cheap. So now we'll see, the next piece is to take all the one-off emails and all the podcast website and turn it into a cohesive campaign funnel. Uh-huh. So that's my, uh, so when I was getting to that point was like, okay, that's where I can inject my podcast episodes. I can look across how I want to talk to everyone, see where my topics are and where my emails fit in and where our case studies fit in. And then we'll have a, you know, then we'll have something pretty special. So uh, that sounds great. Um, and, and what piece, like what content is working the best for you? Just, are you just writing or what's, what sort, like, uh, do you hire a content writer to do it or you write, do the writing or what's working for uh, you the best? Both. Uh, we, I have a content team, uh, get Brad Smith and his team, James Scherer, and um, I'm forgetting those the are the guys you work use. With. Yeah, they're coders. great. And okay. but it's uh, it's like they take my brain and kind of then outline what they're gonna do, and we go back and forth, and it's nice because it's almost like I get the benefit of what I want to talk about without having to spend all the time writing it. Yeah, they're better writers than me anyway. And then uh-huh. some stuff I write the how tos. I guess the other thing is I've been I've been sending people directly to our help docs, our knowledge base. I've been rewriting the knowledge base to get the entire system all online and open sourced so that then my support team and our users and our prospects all see exactly how to use the data as the way it was designed. And then if that's what they're looking for, they're going to like be ecstatic. And if they read it and they're like, what the hell is this? Then they're not a good fit. <laughs> yeah. But. Oh, that's, that's great. And, um, and do you have SEO guys in house or how do you work? How do you do the SEO or is your, is your philosophy really just make great content and people will, will come and backlink to it yeah, naturally? It's just been, you know, try and make great content. So okay. make great content. And, um, so then that positioning April's exercise helped for what I was going to do next. It was very clear what to talk about next. Like one email I did was worker reports versus Google analytics. Like we, if someone asks us, we always have all these great reasons why we're different and why, why you would use us or why you should use that. But it wasn't on the website. It wasn't an email. It wasn't really like approached head on. And now it was, and that was our most popular email I've ever done. Yeah. And how's the competitor uh, space now? Like, are you finding other people moving in since it's obviously a huge, um, a pain point for people? How's that? um, How's the space for you now? Yeah, so a lot of people try to do it on their own or with free tools. Like they try to use Google Analytics. Uh-huh. So that was, another, that was another reason to have it on their website, exactly the differences. Um, that I, Most people have been competitors and or uh, the ad platform tracking itself 
they've all uh, they're all using just pixel based conversions and our whole we all hang our hat on the conversion quality which is we mine your source systems for the most important conversions and attribute them automatically okay. so that you're not in there trying to say if someone hits this thank you page they're worth fifty dollars or whatever Mm-hmm. And in particular, the lifetime uh, lifetime value that accrues over time, either particularly from subscription, when you're doing like a Stripe rebuild with Chargeify or Recharge, that's not hitting a pixel. You need to be in there and grab that revenue out and track it back to however you got that recurring subscription to begin with. Okay. And that didn't happen on the last click before the buy. It happened, you know, before that where they first heard about you and joined your email list. Mm-hmm. So no one's doing all the hard work like we were like no one that I've seen. Really? So I'm not really so worried. Imp- would, you con- would you consider like Improvely uh, a competitor or are they doing something different? No, they're, they're conversion rate optimization. So okay. they're, they're a nice compliment. You know, people okay. are using Improvely, they'd be interested in us and vice versa. Okay. So what would be some of the tools that would, that you would be using yourself to, 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 you know, obviously Google analytics is, is like a must, right? Google Analytics for um, behaviors on page. Okay. Or, or, you know, site flow. Yeah. That's the type of stuff that they are best for. We're actually moving into that ourselves this summer. Okay. Because um, we don't see a lot of good funnel tracking tools. There's one or two that are pretty good, but. Yeah. Um, a lot of demand for that still. So for whatever reason, people aren't happy with the ones that they have. I don't know. They're a bit complicated. Yeah. I think they're a bit complicated just to set up in it a little bit for the, for the, the, like, especially if you have like a six step funnel or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, um, what other tools would I use? I was using a lot of, I was just, I created wicked cause there wasn't, it was literally, those were the data I needed. And I, cause I would be not the marketer, but I was the marketing data person for uh-huh. these companies. And, there just wasn't anything. There was nothing. There was things with page pixels and there was so many problems already with that where it's like, I'm hoping that when someone hits this thank you page, it means I made a hundred dollars. Jeez, a couple <laughs> huge squirrels. They're all over the place. They're probably not used to me out here. That's right. Oh my God. I, thought, I That's literally right. thought they were jumping on my back. <laughs> That's oh, right. Oh man. That's funny. That'll be the, you can use that as the still for this, the podcast. Yeah, you know, that's right. Real, real terror right there. <laughs> Feral squirrel going to bite my neck. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we use, I use a lot of the HubSpot reporting for okay. life cycle stages. Okay. So you're, HubSpot, you're a HubSpot customer too. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, so where do you see, where do you see uh, down the road, which, what, what's going to be your biggest area of growth for you? What, what do you see? For wicked reports, I think our podcast, and we're really doubling down on content marketing. We're now going to be running paid a fair amount of our paid budget to the content okay. itself. Okay. Yeah. So, so d- as an idea, like how much are you spending on content? You don't have to give me a number, but like percentage wise of your marketing budget. Fifteen percent of the marketing okay. budget. Okay. So you're so yeah. And, and, um, actually, I'm sorry, 20, 20%, 20% okay. of marketing is okay. content. Okay. That's good. That's good to know. That's, that's what I think a lot of people are realizing that they, they really need to take the content serious and not just like put like, Oh, just like a 1500 word article. It needs to be good. 
you know, like something well, that's Well, the shared. lifetime value of the leads you can get from good content, like so our tool, like when I load it up, you know, we still have nine subscriptions a month back at uh -huh. the 299. So 2,700 bucks a month come from an ad I ran in 2016. When is the best time to send an email? And yeah. it just went to this crappy blog post. Well, not crappy, but this like yeah. not fancy, you know. Just yeah, like, yeah. Hey, when, when you send your emails, you probably never even thought about it. So Infusionsoft just sends them out at 8 a.m. with everyone else's. Yeah. You should actually look and see when people buy, which is something Craig Jacobson taught me. And I figured out a way to report on it automatically. The time people are buying and then you show it based on their time zone and you should send emails then. And mm -hmm. uh, that still makes me 2700 bucks a month. My gosh, yeah. just for one piece of content. Well, yeah, and yeah. so yeah, because then it recur, and that's twenty seven hundred a month, and that the ad was twenty sixteen from the lead. So yeah, that's crazy. That three years. Yeah, that's so you've 70, obviously 80, optimized that's that. Grand. Yeah. That's an eighty grand. Yeah. Eighty <laughs> grand blog post right there. Yeah, that's great. Great, um, Scott. I want to thank you so much for your time. We're coming up on the top of the hour. Um, where can people reach out to you if they want to find out more? Obviously, WicketReports.com, but how can they find you on Twitter? Or where's the best place to reach you? LinkedIn. Okay. LinkedIn. I'm on. I'm not really big on Twitter or Facebook. I mean, I'm on there, you know, reluctantly, occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, LinkedIn, I'll, I'll generally be active on, or um, I'll be starting the Wicked podcast. Um, you know, this time next month to be the first episode. So great. I can't wait to, to, to check it out. <laughs> great. Thanks for having me. This is yeah. All, thanks this so much, Scott. Thanks for listening to the big break software podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software big break could be right around the corner. <laughs>